know it's impossible, it's impossible to determine the real impact that our family has on our life. Really hard to, to determine that. It's profound, it's, it's deep, it's magnificent. I was talking with my father-in-law not too long ago, uh, Gina's dad. He's a genealogist. He is the foremost scholar in the world on the key family. Whoa. He's actually written books, genealogical books about Gina's family. It's amazing the things that he knows about her ancestors. And in our conversation, he shared with me about how many of Gina's great-granddads and their families were pastors, were missionaries, were evangelists, were were church starters. I mean, the, the, the history of faith is unbelievable. Gina's dad is a retired pastor. Um, Gina's sister married a pastor. The legacy of faith in her family, truly unbelievable, just magnificent. Um, you, you can't even measure how profound it is. And I know that it's true in your family as well, all of our families, our, our parents have had a huge impact on us, even if, even if we look back and say, well, you know, I would have done things differently, or I disagree with this, or I don't like that. That may be the case, but we've all been profoundly impacted by family. Today, I want to share a message about passing on the blessing, passing on the blessings of faith to subsequent generations. And our parents have such a, a powerful effect on us. Um, we, if we're parents, we have a powerful impact on our children and what will eventually be our children's children. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. I was reading my granddad's obituary a few years ago when he passed away, and I didn't know this about my granddad Heller. He was voted most athletic of his high school graduating class. I'm like, they did that back in the day. Well, wow, that's crazy. You know, he graduated high school before World War II. And I thought, that's, that's amazing because my dad was high school, uh, was voted by his senior class as high school most athletic. And then I thought, you know what? I was voted most athletic of my high school class. Wow. So I told Zane, I said, you have some big shoes to fill. No pressure. <laughs> Our parents have a profound impact on us. They have a, a profound impact on us, with it, whether it's something on the surface or whether it's something that's more serious. We've all been impacted by parents. How can we begin to turn this influence and this leverage that we have for the good? Maybe you grew up in a family where addictive behaviors were uh, irregular. Or maybe you grew up in a family where overspending or lying or maybe there were excessive anger issues. And, and, and that DNA has gotten into you. Um, I, the, the, the legacy of our parents can be both good and bad. And I think in most families, there are good and bad. Uh, if we just look at it from one perspective, probably not right. In most situations, there's things that we like and things that we dislike. But how can we pass on what God has done in us. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Moses, as he's about to die, says this, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, 
that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. He says, if you guys will make the choices to follow me, you will choose life. Your kids, your grandkids, future generations will experience life. We can choose life by following the Lord. Our text of scripture today is found in Genesis 26. We're looking at the story of Jacob And Jacob's story can only be understood if you understand his daddy. His name's Isaac. In chapter 26, we find the story of Isaac. We don't know a lot about Isaac. We know much more about Abraham and Jacob. But if you want to get to know Jacob, look at Isaac. And in chapter 26, verse 7, something really unusual goes on. It says, when the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister, For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place will kill me on account of Rebekah, for she's a beautiful woman. Um, Genesis 26 tells us a famine in the land has taken place. And Isaac goes to a place called Gerar. Everybody say, Gerar. Sounds like a great place, doesn't it? He goes there to find some food. But he's scared because this is a different type of people, the Philistines. And he's got a really hot wife. And he thinks, you know what? When they see my beautiful wife, they're going to kill me so they can take her. That's not a very good thought, is it? Now, I don't know. His wife may have felt a little thrown under the bus, you know? Guys, you may not make your wife feel special if you take your wedding ring off and go, she's my sister. And this is what he does. And he gets him into a huge mess that we'll see here. But later on, the mayor or the magistrate of the city of Gerar, his name is Abimelech, or that's his title, sees Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. And the Bible uses the word caressing, and I think that means more than holding hands, okay? Because when he saw this public caressing, this PDA going on, he recognized that Isaac and Rebekah were actually married. And so he says to Isaac, Why did you lie to me? Why did you tell me she was your sister? I saw the way that you were caressing her. That did not look like brother-sisterly love, unless you're maybe from Arkansas. That was, that's not, that's not, that's not really the truth, is it? And Isaac fesses up and he says, you know what? You're right. Actually, I was afraid you guys were going to kill me. You're so right. Um, We're going to see a pattern In the life of Abraham, Isaac, and later on even in Jacob through this story. But I want us to pick up on a couple of things today. Principles to help us pass on the blessing to future generations. Here's the first thing. Listen to what God says. Look with me in Genesis 26 verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land. And besides the previous famine in Abraham's time... Uh, And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. In verse 3, he says, Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the path I swore to your father Abraham. 
I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your offspring and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions, so Isaac stayed in Gerar. How can we pass on the blessing? We can pass on the blessing, number one, by listening to what God has said. Now, he mentions here in verses 5 and 6 that Abraham did what God told him to do. And so Isaac's being blessed because of the faithfulness of his father. Do you see it? Jacob, the son of Isaac, is going to be blessed because of his, the faithfulness of his father. If we want to live a blessed life, if we want to pass on a legacy of faith, a legacy of hope, a legacy of love to our children, we need to hear what God is saying and do what he's saying to do. In verse 1, it says there's a famine in the land. And you know, sometimes it's the hardest to follow the Lord when you're in a famine. It's harder to follow God when it's hard. It's hard to follow God when you don't understand. It's hard to follow God when you don't have all the answers and everything's not lining up, making sense like it's supposed to. That's hard. But God says to Isaac, stay in Gerard. Listen to me. Don't go to Egypt. Now, Egypt in the Bible is always, that's like Las Vegas, okay? Las Vegas, Egypt. Egypt is the place that you go to get in trouble. It's the place of self. It's the place of flesh. It's the place of godlessness. It's, it's the place of people go to Egypt to get in trouble. In fact, when Abraham, the father of Isaac, goes to Egypt in Genesis chapter 12, he gets a girlfriend. Her name's Hagar. And the Arab nations are a result of that relationship. Okay, so Egypt is not good. He says, Isaac, don't go to Egypt like your daddy did. Stay in Gerar. Verse 2, he says, don't go. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to the Lord. Listen to God. How, what is God saying to you? What choices is God, God putting on your heart? What things is he calling you to do? And how can you leave that legacy of faith to your children? I think it's great to talk to our kids about God's leadership in our life and the things that we think God is maybe putting on our heart or things that, that, that God is challenging us to do. Um, I love to talk to my kids about what I feel like God's encouraging me to do. And I, I think our kids need to be on that journey with us because one day I'm not going to be around and I want them to understand how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I want them to see how to follow God. And I know that if they're going to learn to do so, that I have a spiritual responsibility to point them in the way they should go. Abraham's faith blessed Isaac. And you notice in verse 12 of Genesis 26, Isaac sowed seed in the land, and that year he reaped a hundred times what was sown, and the Lord blessed him. You know what? When we do what God has called us to do, there is always a blessing. Just right there in verse 12. He says, I told you to stay. You stayed. You're blessed. You're blessed. God's going to bless him a lot more than that, but... And Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 is a great example of that. God's promises, 
I will be with you and I will bless you. Two promises there in verses two and three. Listen, you are never alone in life. God is the one who is always with you. You may feel alone, but remember, even though you feel alone, God is still there. And he says, listen, I'm gonna be with you and I'm going to bless you. How would our lives be different if we really lived every single day with the perspective, God is with me and God is going to bless me. How would that begin to change us? In verse four, he says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed by by the seed of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Why, Why did he say that? Well, Abraham is a forefather of the Lord Jesus. All the earth has been blessed by Abraham because Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. And one of his descendants would be born in Bethlehem many years later, would later die on a cross and rise from the grave on the third day. All the nations of the world have been blessed by Abraham and by his descendants. Galatians 3.29 says, "And (coughs) And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. If you have faith in Christ, guess what? I got some great news for you. You're an heir of Abraham. The spiritual blessings that God wants you to have come through faith through the lineage of Abraham in your life. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Ephesians is my favorite book of the Bible talking about God's blessings in our lives 54 times. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about spiritual blessings. See, if we're in Christ, we have spiritual blessings. This is what I want to pass on to my kids. This is what you want to pass on to your kids, by the way. Let me give a few examples. Beginning in chapter 1, verse 4 of Ephesians, it says, For he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. And he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will. Well, if it says, first of all, in verse 4, God chose you before the foundation of the world. If you're in Christ, God picked you out. How amazing is that? That's a spiritual blessing. That's a big blessing. You're holy and blameless. That means that God sees you as someone who's fit to serve him and to worship him even in spite of your shortcomings. Uh, it says in love, in love, he predestined us for adoption. God loved you. God adopted you. God accepted you. Um, according to the riches of his grace, man, we, none of us would even be here if it wasn't for the riches of his grace. These are the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. He goes on and talks about the deposit of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that empowers him To fulfill the purposes of God. Wow. And all these come through the faith and the spiritual lineage of Abraham. Listen, how can we pass on to the next generation something that is significant, something that matters? We have to listen to the Lord. We got to do what God says. We got to follow what the Lord says. When Jesus says things like, don't worry about tomorrow Because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. How would our life be different if we really listen to the word? 
When Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How would our life be different if we really lived by God's word? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. we got to listen to what God says. And God is leading Abraham and he's leading Isaac. And let's see what happens. We also got to learn from the example of family. Listen to what God says. Learn from the example of family. Now listen, you want to be a person of courageous faith. You want to be a person that, 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 that makes a big impact on the next generation. Learn from the example of family. Now in your family, there's things that have been done that are very good and very fruitful. There's been things that have been done that are not good. Mistakes that have been made along the way. And Isaac and Abraham were awesome men of faith, but guess what? They weren't perfect. They had some problems. And I want to highlight one of those right here in verse 7 to 10 of Genesis 26. Look, look at the story of Isaac again. When the men of that place, this is Gerar, asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. Because he was afraid to say, she's my wife. And he thought, the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from his window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and he said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? And Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. And then Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the men might have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. See, Isaac wasn't thinking of it like that. He was just thinking of himself. He wasn't really thinking about her. Oh, yeah. Have you ever made a big decision before? Maybe you didn't think it through all the way. And then you got there and then you realize, oh, I may have created a bigger mess. It's not good to tell a town full of men that your wife is your sister if she's a beautiful woman. I mean, maybe that just didn't really compute with, with Isaac. But guess where Isaac learned to lie about his wife? From his father Abraham. Look, look at this in chapter 20. Genesis 21 through 3. For there Abraham traveled to the region of Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur, while he was staying in Gerar, the same town, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she's my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar had Sarah brought to him. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and he said, you're about to die because the woman that you have taken, for she is a married woman. Wait a second. Isaac is repeating the exact same thing that Abraham did. In chapter 20. It's amazing, isn't it? Sometimes we pass on to future generations our own sins and our own shortcomings and our own struggles. In this case, it's the lies. And, and it's so remarkably predictable. I mean, it, 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 it's almost like it's the same story told again. To, to make matters worse, if you look at Genesis chapter 12, Abraham does the same thing when he goes to Egypt. Okay, so Abraham is going to lie about his wife twice, saying she's his sister. Isaac does it once, but he learns it from his father. Okay, look at these in Genesis 12, 10. 
Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is my wife. And then they will kill me, and they will let you live. Say you're my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. It's the exact same thing. See, Abraham didn't learn his lesson. He did it twice. Where did Isaac learn to lie? He learned it from his daddy. By the way, where did Jacob learn to be the trickster and the schemer? The son of Isaac, Jacob. He learned it from Isaac. He learned it from Abraham. It's amazing how the same sins can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. Maybe you grew up in a family where alcoholism or drug abuse was used. And maybe that's been a struggle for you. And you grew up your whole life seeing substance abuse. And that's what you know. That's what you're acquainted with. Uh, maybe the same is true with promiscuity. You know, you saw, you saw your parents go through relationship after relationship after relationship. And it didn't work out. And that's become a struggle for you. And, and the DNA of your family has been marked in a certain direction. But listen, by the power of Christ, you can change the direction of your life. We don't have to just lay down and say, well, you know what? My family has always been like this. I guess that's what I'll always do. No. We can rise up and say, no, I want to be different. I want to be different for my life. I want to be different for my kids. I want to be different. I want to use my life as, as an influence over all my future descendants. And I hope that they won't make some of the same choices that I've made. Now, there's some similarities here. And critics of the Bible have said, well, this was the same story. It just got edited out and put in three different places. But it's really the same story. I don't think so. I think that the Bible has put these three passages, Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham in Egypt, Genesis chapter 20, Abraham and Gerar, and Isaac in Gerar in Genesis chapter 26 for the reason to help us to see patterns. Because guess what? Your family has a pattern. And for you to be the person of faith that God has called you to be, you got to rise up and say no to the negative pattern. I'm not going to continue on the path that I've seen laid out for me. Now check it out. Both sided uh, sinned in the presence of Abimelech. Both went through an economic recession. Both were corrected by a non-believing ruler of the Philistines. Both had a beautiful wife and feared for their own safety, thinking that they might be killed. Both lied, saying that their wives were their sisters. And both of them didn't think it through. When they made these choices. I mean, it's almost like the, the boilerplate, man. The same exact thing. When we get under stress, when we don't know what to do, many times we revert to what we have always seen done. Unless you have the power of Christ in your life. I'll tell you what, but what is true negatively can be true positively as well. I'm thankful. I grew up in a family that went to church every Sunday. My parents used to teach Sunday school. They used to teach in the kids' ministry. And, and, and one year they even taught my class. And I grew up around that, going to church every weekend, you know, every Sunday. It wasn't even an option. You know, we were there just 
every single time. I'm so thankful. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. You have an opportunity to make that deposit, that blessing into your kid's life as well. We got to look back. We got to look back to understand where we came from. Hey, this is the pattern. This is this is what's going on. Maybe even if you're not struggling with some of the same things that your family has struggled with, but you might have a weakness there and you need to be aware of it. We got to look back. We got to look back. A few years ago, we moved into a house and uh, Gina wanted to change the, the uh, flooring. She wanted to rip out the carpet and put down some tile and, and things were kind of tight with our budget. So we decided to do it ourselves. By the way, Hellers are not tile people, by the way. Just saying. We rented one of those tile cutters from Home Depot. Gina's dad came into town. We kind of were making it up as we went. A friend from the church stopped by and kind of pointed us in the right direction. And I got to tell you, the first, the first line of tiles was perfectly straight. It was so awesome. The problem was it was a pretty good-sized room. It was the entryway and the dining room, all one big room. And because we didn't know what we were doing and because we didn't have the chalk lines, I learned this later, okay? Because we didn't have it lined out, every row of tiles was slightly off of the other row. Well, by the time you get all the way across to the end of the room, how many of you know that's a problem? You know, it almost looked like it was intentional, like it was diagonal, you know? It was a mess. It was a total mess. So Gina went and bought some rugs. We covered everything up. And praise God, we sold the house a few years later and, you know, we had the rugs down. Nobody noticed. We didn't have to put that on the seller disclosure. A crooked tile in the dining room. Um, so we thought we wised up. This last year, we hired a, a contractor to tile our bathroom. And we thought, man, listen, we really got this figured out. We're not going to tile. We, we're going to have somebody else put in the white subway tile and it'll look real cool and all that. And the guy did a great job on two and one thirds of the walls. But on the third wall of the shower, he started to use different size spacers. And so all of the lines are off and it drives me crazy every morning when I take a shower. Gina and I just decided we're going to look the other direction. You know, we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the shower head, not the wall behind us. So we don't have to see all the imperfections every single day. There's a plumb line. There's a chalk line. There's a standard to do things straight and right and accurate you have to have something to compare it to. In our spiritual lives, that's the word of God. When we begin to live our lives apart from the word of God, things get off a little bit. They're not straight. They're not right. And it causes a lot of wrong directions. And that's what happened with Abraham. It happened with Isaac. We're going to see this unfold in the life of Jacob. Jacob becomes the trickster, the schemester, the liar, the manipulator. Where did he learn it from? Well, I think at least in part he learned some from maybe his granddad and, and Isaac, his own father. We got to look forward, but we got to look back. We got to look back. We got to look in. Look in our own heart. Um, let's don't make excuses. You know, we should never say, well, 
you know, that's just the way it's always been in my family. I guess I'll just be like everybody else. No, we don't have to do that. We got to look in. We got to look in our own heart, see what's going on. Check out those influences and begin to reverse the course and direction of our life by the power of Christ. When Zane was a little baby boy, he was about six months old, he would cry sometimes. And uh, I would pick him up, try and console him, you know, like dads do. Man, I'm telling you, my wife is so good with babies. She could just, she could fix problems so fast. For me, it's a little harder. So I had to be more creative. Dads have to be creative in general, you know, when it comes to working with little babies. So I figured out that if I did this, he would calm down and he would giggle and he would laugh. So I would do this. And he loved it. Zane would start to giggle. He would start to laugh. He would snicker. And everything was all good. I mean, it was almost better than a diaper change, okay? It was awesome. Loved it. So I would do that with him. You know, I did that a couple of weeks. One Sunday he came to church and the ladies in the nursery pulled me aside afterwards and they said, we don't know what's going on with Zane. I was like, well, what did he do? Did he cry? They were like, no. Every time we picked him up, he would do this. And I'm like, that is amazing. I have no idea where he learned that. Is it not incredible that a six-month-old baby could be repeating the patterns of his father? He's not even fully cognitively aware. Just a little bitty infant. And yet he's listening and he's watching and he's observing and he's reproducing what he sees the father do. I thought, man, what else are my kids learning from me? <laughs> the bar just got raised. Our kids watching things in our lives and observing things that we don't want them to see. We don't want them to, to know that. But it comes out. We have to look in and make those changes in our life. And we make those changes by looking up. We look at a savior and his name is Jesus. You see, apart from Jesus, it's impossible. It's impossible to live the life that we want to live. We need Christ. We need his power. We need his strength in our life. We need a savior. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. <laughs> we'll be free. We can walk in freedom. We can break past patterns. We can establish new patterns. We can help our kids walk in the blessings of God. We can put away the, the destructive patterns of the past of our family. We don't have to live under that bondage anymore. If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children learn, uh, live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If they live with fairness, they, they, learn, they learn justice. If they learn with, live with kindness, they learn consideration and respect. If they live with security, they learn faith. And they learn to trust others. And if they live with friendliness, then the world is a place that they love to be. 
parents, we have a great responsibility to pass on a great blessing to our kids. We have the ability to do what Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says. Choose life so that you and your children may live. That's our challenge today. Let's listen to the word of God and let's learn from the example of family. Would you pray with me for a moment?